Hello and welcome to the Wrestling Headlines Raw Review. Got to get used to saying that name instead of LOP. Is Keith Lee going to replace Randy Orton at Night of Champions? I feel like this is quite a big uh, topic of discussion and uh, a lot of the uh, different, I guess, different YouTube channels and podcasts that are doing the Raw Review focus on a few different things. And I was like, let's go with the kind of talking point of the whole episode of Raw, really, with Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee. I personally thought this was done really, really well, going through the show, building this arc, that they were friends, but there was this bubbling thing under the surface, that they know that how important it is to become champion, and both of them are like, I'll do what I'll have to do to become champion. So that's the topic of today, going to get into that, but first there's a few bits of admin. First, this is uh, LMP Ready, go to WrestlingHeadlines.net for all of your latest wrestling news. Links in the description or just head over to WrestlingHeadlines.net. Uh, we are here live in YouTube form and also in the podcast world. Uh, my name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and I don't always say it as my name. <laughs> I just did for that one time. Uh, and this week, Raw was in your face. Or in your face. Or in your face. Or in your face. <laughs> I think I like the last one the best. <laughs> in your face. Um, don't ask me why that tagline was a thing. They said it. So if someone else can fill me in, <laughs> it was said, I swear, they were plugging it over the weekend. And then on the show, I swear they said it maybe once or twice. And then it was just not really mentioned again. Like they made a decision over the weekend and by the show went live and just completely <laughs> changed their minds. Like, well, yeah, we're not building off of this. Unless it's the newest, like, Raw is War <laughs> thing. Raw is in your face <laughs> I don't I don't know what they go for yeah anyway uh, also uh, I missed last week's raw because of real life situations uh, obviously uh, family life sometimes things happen so you're not able to uh, do this uh, jump into this world uh, but I am back this week uh, covering the whole show so first let's talk about Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee's arc throughout the show so starting off they kicked it off with uh, Drew McIntyre coming out uh, with his awesome pyro holding the title up high. He, look, he looks fantastic. Uh, he says Orton tried to break his jaw, so he should count himself lucky he only suffered an undisplaced fracture. Uh, but Randy's the one currently covering hospital. Uh, Drew McIntyre makes an official challenge for their title match at Night of Champions to be an ambulance match. And uh, Drew shows his own badly photoshopped image of people who have suffered from the Claymore. Just like Autumn's punt Photoshop from a couple of weeks back. Yeah. Yes, it fitted in that Randy Orton did it, so Drew McIntyre's doing it, and that's the closest it comes to being relevant, to being something his character would do, purely because Orton did it. So it was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Now I've claimed more due, the way I'm going to take the mick out of you to do the same thing that you were trying to take the mick out of me for. Not that it's actually funny. <laughs> that's what I took from it. But this style of humour doesn't fit either of these characters. <laughs> but... Hey, it's WWE style, so it doesn't matter what your character is. Just it's WWE humor style, so you do it. But it doesn't fit order. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a WWE thing. It will tell him to laugh. It'll work. Uh, just that's just a little note. Adam of all pe people 
he, of all peers, Paul, that's <laughs> what I wanted to say for some reason. He interferes and states that if Orton is unable to compete at Night of Champions, then Keith Lee will be his replacement for the championship match. And out he comes, bask in his glory and generic theme. I like this. So um, I don't know if this was a like a different kind of scare, you know, given the current world there are scares happening and people suddenly not available. There are a whole heap of people not available for this show. And again, did I miss a context? Did a load of people test positive? Were a load of people quarantining? Were a load of people just not available for the show for some reason? As in it was known ahead of time? or It felt like a show where it wasn't particularly known ahead of time. Uh, but, yeah, so it, it's kind of plain of that. But last week they did do the whole injury angle. And the fact that the Orson can now just not be on Raw and they're sending the injury. So even if he is, does come back, and to which I'm immediately thinking, why have they set up a situation where he might not come back? Have I missed some kind of news because I've been disconnected and busy <laughs> this past week? I uh, like after NXT, like I kind of tuned out. Like I watched AW, really enjoyed it, but like over the weekend I was hardly checking in on news and things. So did I did I miss something? Is there a reason why so many people were absent or <laughs> missing? Like especially commentary as well. Like two thirds of the commentary were missing and replaced by others. Uh, it felt like a bit of a on-the-fly thing, given they were subbing people in. It worked well, <laughs> just to say that. Uh, but, again, have I missed something? Uh, but anyway, out comes Keith Lee. And he and Drew shake hands in the ring. Uh, as you can see in the image on this screen, uh, Keith holds onto the handshake as the sound guy forgets to play the ooh sound. And it ends up... Pressing the button late and it sounds like crap. <laughs> like, come on, fake crowd guys. <laughs> oh, like, even though it made the Sky Sports football reactions sound good, and they do not sound good. <laughs> it's, it's fine as background noise. Like, same here with the Thunderdome. It's fine as background noise. As things kick up, you can kick up the amount of noise from them as well. That works fine. But the moment they have to react to something, it never sounds good because it's a bloke pressing a button. Like, the audio works in the kind of works in the video game, because the algorithm goes, oh, a thing's happened, this is the thing to react to that thing, and it immediately pulls it out. Even quicker on PlayStation 5. <laughs> but with a live show, when it's just a bloke pressing a button, it's not going to be in time. It's not going to be the same kind of speed as a live audience there, so the thing will happen, and then they'll react. <laughs> it's just a bit late. Uh, so it never sounds good, but it's fine for the ambiance. It's not that great for... Yes, I'm throwing in a Mickey Flanagan reference. <laughs> the ambiance. Uh, yeah, I, I know to play to my predominantly American audience <laughs> in British stand-up comedy references. Uh, this, this arc played out throughout the entire show, and we would now get then jump back and forth to Keith Lee and uh, Drew McIntyre's uh, kind of playing thing. Playing thing? You know what I mean. <laughs> so, yeah, but I like I like how it kind of did play out throughout the entire show. You saw them talking later on. And I think Drew McIntyre was in the interview ring, semi-playing off with the Randy Orton thing. But first off, Charlie was in the interview ring with Keith Lee. Uh, not related to Randy Orton, we'll get to him in a second. And uh, he, he's pretty much saying he may be friends, friends with Drew. But they both understand the end game here. Like he'll do what he must to become champion. And it, that was kind of playing off throughout the show. Like He wanted to make a statement. And that's when we get to the uh, WWE Drew McIntyre in the interview ring again. They've already referenced, they've already let us, reminded us that Randy Orton got 
kicked to kicked down by the claymore by Drew McIntyre in that interview ring. So Drew McIntyre then got the promo the next week. It has a little bit of a more of an oomph to it. Keith Lee walks in on his interview before he can really make any proper huge statements. And Keith Lee says, Sounds like you're saying without you running down, Randy Orton would have beaten me. Uh, but the one time I finished the match by myself was at Payback. So I was like, yeah, the one time Drew McIntyre didn't run down because he wasn't able to, Keith Lee beat Randy Orton. And each and every other time Keith Lee has been his match wizard, that, that's when Drew McIntyre has decided to run down and attack Orton for his actions. And Keith, as he's saying this, he keeps putting his hand on Drew's shoulder, his championship shoulder with the belt, as he hints at the title opportunity potentially ahead of them. Uh, which is another thing about because at the start when Drew McIntyre like he pretty much said I want it to be an ambulance match at Night of Champions because that makes sense with their feud with Randy Orton. Ambulance matches are never the best, but given the quality of these two and the form Randy Orton is in right now, I'll probably enjoy it. <laughs> probably do a good job. I really enjoyed their SummerSlam match, so nobody complains there. Uh, but kind of makes it up for some reason they're making a backup in case Orton can't make it, and. Keith Lee will be the replacement, if that is to be the case. And Keith Lee, Drew McIntyre in ambulance match doesn't quite make as much sense, but this week on Raw, they started to put in the effort. So at least there's that. Uh, but Keith Lee keeps putting his hand on Drew's shoulder, because, again, he's trying to do something here. Like, the champion asks him to stop doing it. Just, Keith, stop putting your hand on my shoulder, otherwise I'll have to punch you or something. Uh, but he didn't say, or something like that. <laughs> that was an impism. <laughs> But Lee's trying to make a point here, so he persists, keeps putting the hand on the shoulder. McIntyre clocks him. I call him McIntyre. <laughs> he clocks him. And we have ourselves a big boy brawl with uh, security having to break them up. It wouldn't really work. <laughs> As, uh, after the next kind of segment, uh, Drew and Keith enter another quick brawl. I think Drew McIntyre was just backstage and then Keith Lee just jumps him. Uh, this time with Lee in a wrestling onesie. I don't know if that's an improvement or not. <laughs> I was more fine with it in match, but like backstage, I think wrestling onesies like that was kind of pretty deep, I guess, wrestling V, or is he U? Because <laughs> it's more curvy. But yeah, in a, in a normal situation, not in a wrestling ring, that just looks really weird, <laughs> that outfit. Like Kurt Angle, yes, he made it work as a wrestler in the ring, but if he was to walk down the street in that, <laughs> it does look really out of place. Uh, Adam Pearce separates them with the threat of cancelling their match. I think it was the one that was on tonight, uh, like the main event one, and uh, not the one at Night of Champions. So, yeah. And the main event of the evening was Drew McIntyre versus Keith Lee, which led to a like a really great arc throughout the show. This was like just building the animosity between friends. Like you get the impression that they're still friends, but they're currently after the tonight they are pissed off at each other and they are set to beat the hell out of each other. A nice, uh, the main event itself was a nice growing contest, wrestling at a slightly faster pace with a, a slightly faster pace with a relatively short amount of time for a main event, but also not doing anything crazy. Like, I mean, your match is getting cut off at the end, why go crazy for your 10? Like, you can do your spots and kind of slowly build for your 10, but to go crazy, <laughs> like for a match that's going to get stopped and interfered, yeah, understand this why this match what this why this match was the kind of match it was. The show ending angle cut down the match, but that's probably a good thing. Like giving these lads ten minutes, you're slowly building it, say you're showing them that you could do something. 
when they put them in a match together on pay-per-view, but you leave the rest for the pay-per-view. You don't give us everything on that night. So, yeah. Uh, but there were, like, a couple of times where both lads were down, and one of them they superplex off the top, and you, the ring didn't break. <laughs> these two, it wasn't enough. Like, these two big lads weren't big lad enough to <laughs> break the ring. But when they go down for a second time, I think it's when they kind of jumped into each other. That's when... A crowd of hooded bodies came to beat down the men. A retribution running in uh, after the two lads had charged into each other and they were down. Uh, as the crazy camera work disorientates you. Hooray. <laughs> like, my God, it's just... Even if I could get excited, it's really difficult because you have to like, really focus and be like high on caffeine to be able to follow it. <laughs> it's just... It's so... Like, like, I don't know how older fans feel because it's a known thing that um, in terms of the quicker the cuts, the more difficult it will be, like the older you are, just to follow it and take in that amount of information. I don't know if you're more used to it than you're more able to do it. I don't know. I don't know the size behind it fully. It's just like the brief uh, brief thing about it. Uh, but eventually the Hurt Business music's hit for the four lads to walk out in their suits and charge them down. They looked amazing. They're badass. I'll get to how they finally they feel like a fully formed group. We'll get to that when they get to their match. Uh, brawling over ringside until both Drew and Keith tope over the top onto the crowd of bodies. Uh, the show goes off air with the two friends staring each other down over the fallen. And my description sounds so much cooler than it was. <laughs> two friends staring each other down over the fallen. Whilst it was a brawl, the hurt business looked cool as they charged down. Two lads jumped over the top, taking them down. And the issue for me is because it's retribution that they took down. Like, I don't know how to feel about that group, but I rant about them when I get to them. <laughs> but overall, I really enjoyed this arc. And in terms of, like, is he replacing Randy Orton that night of champions? If um, Again, I feel like I'm really missing a piece of information because they are setting up a backup plan in case Randy Orton can't be there. Rather than... Well, that's how I, that's, am I missing something <laughs> blatantly? Or... Are we getting Keith and Lee McIntyre and they changed their mind on number one contender and that's what the change-up kind of was for? I don't know. It's one of them. I'm going to take a sip out of my New Day mug. Mm. Also, tonight it is hot for a British person, so get ready for me to struggle with my concentration after the 15-minute... Oh, at the 15-minute mark now! <laughs> Hooray! Uh, it's only downhill from here, guys, so thank you for tuning in. But in terms of... Is Keith Lee replacing Randy Orton at Night of Champions? That for some reason seems to be down to maybe reality, and this is the backup plan. It's not a, my God, massive swerve, it feels more like. No, there's a chance Randy Orton might not be able to make the show, so this is a backup plan just in case he can't. We've got something set up. And I thought, in that vein, it was a really good show. Like, it did really well. Unless they're just selling the attack. Unless it's an idea to sell the attack from Drew McIntyre. Again, it's only because... There were missing commentators from Raw, unless I missed, unless I've just forgotten. Did Retribution attack them last week? I don't know if they did. Am I being stupid? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> For some reason, I'm just getting a blank on Retribution. It's like, what did they do? Did they attack the commentators? Is that why they're not here? Is it actually continuity and not a weird last minute? Oh crap! These people aren't here. <laughs> thing. It came across as a, the flow of the show came across as that. And I guess I'll quite often I'll do my uh, like. A review of the show overall, but at the end, but I'll do it now so you can get my review. And if you don't care about like, the beat to beat, then you've got my review overall. But I will say, my 
I guess overall thing is there was an absolutely massive fatigue point, but apart from the one period which uh, it really hit me, I would say the show flowed well enough. Like I wouldn't call it a good show, but it flowed at least for me. Aside from one like half an hour chunk, which was for me just egregiously like, my God, when will this bit end? And if we just get to the next thing, like Jesus Christ, um, you, you'll know that if you watch the show, I think you'll know the bit I'm on about. It, it took so, how long does a cage take to set up? <laughs> my God, uh, but I it flowed well enough, even though I wasn't super invested in a lot of the stuff that was happening. I think I put it as. There were a few really good stuff. The Steel Cage match, for example, really enjoyed the arc with uh, Keith Lee and Drew McIntyre. Really enjoyed Mickey James' Asuka up until the finish, which apparently was completely botched, and I love the reasoning for it. <laughs> Just, uh, But the, well, the rumoured reasoning for it before I went live, it's changed throughout the day uh, from this multiple things, from like, oh, she was generally injured to, oh, no, that she's not generally injured, something's up here or whatever, and then it's ended before I went live with, oh no, like, Mickey James was selling so convincingly, the ref actually thought she'd hurt herself and called for it, said she couldn't compete, when in reality, she was just selling the Ascalot really well. <laughs> and the ref bought her, selling it as, oh crap, she's really injured herself. Like, oh, that's my, I love that. <laughs> it's, it's possibly my favourite story coming out of Raw. <laughs> even, though I, even though I enjoyed different bits, and uh, the, that it wasn't my favourite match of the night, even though I did enjoy it. That's my favourite story. <laughs> Mickey James sold a move so well that the referee thought she'd legitimately hurt herself. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Anyway, but I will go through beat to beat. Um, did I give actual rating? I said it flowed well, but I didn't really care for... I only cared for bits of it. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, that's, to be fair, that's a lot of roars. It's a bit bit brief. <laughs> like You can sum up modern-day raw, really, with... It's, there's really good stuff in there, or there's specific storylines that I feel like are playing out really well, or you get a really good match. But to watch Monday Night Raw as an entire show is often quite a struggle. Like it's actually quite, it feels like quite an effort to actually get through the entire thing. Hence why I started noting my fatigue point every week. It's like, I feel like, yeah, I'm getting tired by the end of the show, and I feel like it's outdated it's welcome. Makes sense to pinpoint when that is, so I can kind of form a much better picture in my head about when it's happening, why it's happening, what part of the show caused me to feel that way. Are there weeks where I don't get any fatigue? The answer is yes. It's not, I don't get uh, fatigue every single week, it turns out. I would have known that if I didn't start checking, didn't start telling this or keeping a record. <laughs> so these shows have helped me in a way. Anyway, I'm now going to go through the show in order from the champion, tag champion versus tag champions match uh, all the way to the semi-main event which was something I can't remember what it is. <laughs> but, so let's go through it. The uh, Champions versus Champions, Raw Tag Team Champions, Street Profits versus the Smackers Tag Champs, Cesaro and Shinsuke and Nakamura. Uh, first off, an awesome uppercut right at the bell from Cesaro. Uh, the SmackDown 2 were out to control this match. Uh, so a little thing that I enjoyed. Uh, taking out Ford before the ad break, meaning an on-fire Dawkins was still against the numbers. Uh, ditto for when Montez had recovered the heels splitting up the Raw champs. Uh, no surprise, Montez Ford is an um, amazing recipient for a Cesaro pop-up uppercut. <laughs> like, my God, the height he got on that. Second best sell of the night. The other one goes, uh, Ricochet Cedric Alexander, which loads of people have retweeted for that long blower. <laughs> but uh, the pop-up for this <laughs> uppercut, like, I just want to give a shout-out to that. 
Uh, bloody hell, that looked brutal uh, with the height he went to. <laughs> like, my God. Uh, but too focused on Ford, Cesaro missed a tag, and with Shinsuke recently set into the steps, suddenly it was the Swiss Superman against the odds. Cesaro suplexes Ford down, but is met by Dawkins' frog splash in the cash-out. One, two, three... And the Raw Tag Team Champions steal the win, which has kind of been like the flow of their matches, really, that will take some beating. But once they're able to sync up in some manner, they make quick work of their opponents. Or uh, to at least score a four, but this really caught the cocky heel champs from the other show by surprise. Uh, not really sure what this is built. Like, decently fun, if also kind of throwaway. It's building to nicer champions. Both tag champs will defend their titles. But we'll likely see this match again at Survivor Series. So does this set up? Oh, this time, last time this happened, they get to see it again. So, yeah, I live in a WWE world where I feel like we see some matches way too many times. Uh, all this leads to something else because the tag team champion scene is so bare. Like, who do they face? Like, who do Street Profits face if it's not uh, like there's someone from the other brand? Because they're like, especially with. Ivar injured. That might be a really big one. The fact that Ivar gets injured, suddenly, who on earth do they face? <laughs> like, personally, not a bad idea to let the Hurt Business just grab a load of belts. That's personally what I do. Just let them hoard a few. Really sell their success. Like Cedric and MVP, maybe. If not Cedric and Shelton. Just really selling that the Hurt Business is great. Then uh, they get the championship championships to prove it, not just the US belt. That's what, that's what I do. Again, apart from that, like, who? <laughs> who do you have them fight? Because there isn't really any teams left. And they're splitting up another one in uh, Andrade and Gaza. But that's been the entire time they've been bubbling. They were never really a solid tag team. It's just bubbling for absolutely ages. And maybe facing the Street Profits 20 too many times? <laughs> Face them quite a few. But yeah, a decently th fun throwaway match. Uh, Again, WWE's tag division has always stuck out as a division they don't really care about on the same level as a few of the others. But nowadays, with AEW really putting in the effort, it really stands out. Like, WWE's tag matches are fun. There's just not any direction because they don't particularly care. And that's not, that's not a massive slight, really. It's just, yeah, it's evident because now there's a company that does care. And you can see the difference. Uh, the, the matches like, are mostly great, but there's not really much to them. Like, there's a reason Andrade and Garza got, what, 27 tag title shots this summer. <laughs> yes, I'm exaggerating. <laughs> but the point stands, it's, they, they got a lot, like, they were the opponents for the Street Profits. Repeat and repeat and repeat. Uh, yeah. Still, I, I, if it's not the Hurt Business, then I really don't know who, unless you build to Retribution. But who knows what Retribution are? I'll, I'll get to Retribution rant when it's time. Uh, promo hyping Mickey James ahead of her Raw Women's Championship match and she also got an interview backstage as well. They built her up throughout this show. Uh, Lana backstage ranting to Gaza about Mickey getting a title opportunity. Yep, character continuity, like it. Angel Gaza obviously hits on her because uh, Zelina interrupts to berate... I'm oh, sorry, not because. Before Zelina interrupts to berate him on not taking the losses seriously, uh, Gaza's had enough of being blamed for those though. Points out that in singles action, Andrade lost last week. But not him. Like, Garza didn't. He won his match. Uh, the two lads have a Spanglish spat as Zelina attempts to calm them down. But as soon as she steps away, they get right back into brawling. 
and this was setting up. It's like, yeah, it's finally coming to a blow. These two maybe not get along with each other. It makes sense that it's going to implode now that they've moved on from their Street Profits feud. If anything, at least the Street Profits feud made them feel like a unit because they were together for quite a while now. And like uh, with it bubbling the entire time, but now exploding, it doesn't feel rushed. Uh, but of course, you also feel tired of the act, the story they were in, or the art they were in, or the just the uh, what's the word I'm looking for for the um, limbo. That's it. <laughs> they were in limbo essentially. Get street profits. Just it's just never could have just couldn't escape. Uh, now they have though. So hopefully they move on to facing each other. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, and uh, Lana immediately, her husband debuts on the competition show and she immediately is getting hit on by other stars that are there. It's like, oh, poor Lana. Uh, number three segment, again, I keep forgetting to not read out parts of my notes that mean nothing to anyone else. <laughs> the Hurt Business, now featuring Cedric Alexander. For Cedric Alexander versus Ricochet, uh, first the four members of the Hurt Business as their formed unit are in the ring. Uh, first Cedric gets a million times the character in the one move to joining the business. Like the Hurt Business's formation feeling somewhat complete with the final piece they were missing in a modern day lad. Uh, I, like the, I like the feeling of all three of them being of like the era that's kind of just gone and the closest to like being of this current era is Bobby Lashley. But I really, they were, that, just adding someone of this era, it's like yes just Give them that next contemporary thing of that younger lad, someone to kind of build up as a group. Uh, like Cedric Alexander is the perfect addition. It talks about how sick he was becoming of getting his ass beat week after week by the baddest men in the company. And that's when Cedric, that's when Ricochet and Apollo walk out in anger. Uh, Ricky like, you're my brother, man. And Apollo's angry too. Like, you joined the Hurt Business. For what? For money, I mean, he literally just said about how he was getting tired of getting beaten up every week. But yeah, you know, stick to the script. <laughs> well, now you're going to face the consequences. And now Xavier Woods does not come out in his old gimmick. It's time for Ricochet for versus Cedric Alexander. And no surprise, this match was fast and bloody great. <laughs> Ricochet taking it to Cedric in the early going. MVP having to give his man a pep talk to get him back in. But it worked. A tad of chaos with Eric of the Viking Raiders running out to attack Lashley and Michael Cole going, well, that's who he's in a match with tonight. Is that, uh, so that's why he did that. <laughs> However, it was nothing that like, took us fully away from the match. The focus on the new Cedric push in the Hurt Business. A great final sequence full of counters, but in the end it was Alexander able to hoist Ricochet up for the long blower and the win. And all over social media when I woke up was like, that was an amazing sell by Ricochet. <laughs> Non-blower looked incredible. And it did. Like, easily. <laughs> the, the moment of the night. Just like incredible uh, sells as, yeah, Ricochet made that Lumblower look devastating. And Cedric Alexander with an important win, establishing him in the Hurt Business, whilst also showing his jump at, to at least initially be a great decision. Like, as Apollo and Ricochet get their butts beat again. Uh, but as the group pose in the ring, the lights go off. Is it? It is. It's retribution time. I should not have done that. I mean, I was meant to, if for the podcast listeners, I was doing a very cheesy, pointy thing, and now I'm just dancing. <laughs> so let's stop that. Uh, Dominic, no, sorry, mystery person cuts a promo on uh, 
not winningly signing to the regime or something like that. Like it's generic anarchy scripting that ultimately means nothing. Like why should I care? Uh, Big mystery man finally adds some characters to the group though, directly referencing their time in the performance centre and how the broken promises of fame and fortune have left them refusing to sit by and wallow. It's like, a direction! (laughs) Pissed off NXT folk wanting to claim retribution (laughs) finally gives them a reason for existing. Like, something to chew on at last. Like, this also likely means don't expect any reveals or proper advancements until after Night of Champions, as we rev into Survivor Series, or even at Survivor Series, or after it. And then they've got the Hurt Business as well, like an actual force or opponents to genuinely fight against like something else to chew on. They've got characters now they are they can specifically aim at in the Hurt Business rather than... Yeah, so also the Hurt Business, this is your reason to bring on Ricochet and Cruz maybe, just to fight off, <laughs> fight off Retribution to join up with your enemies, that enemy of my enemies, my friend situation, and you can use that for Survivor Series or something. That said, Retribution, <laughs> a story which... That smells so strongly of the Who Attacked Roman Reigns arc from last year. In that, is like, oh, from backstage, there were reports coming out which felt like just blatant, like, just lies to make you go, oh, no, we know where we're going with this. I think we'll say, oh, Vince has got a direction. Vince knows where this is going. And then you watch the TV show, and it's just, just like, no, he doesn't. Case in point, something happens on a show. You've got no idea if that's going to be canon next week. Which screams, you're making it up as you go along. <laughs> there were just so many aspects like that in the Who Attacked Roman Reigns. Random ginger bloke, anybody? <laughs> just Rowan 2.0 for a week that was never brought up again. <laughs> just minor things like that. And then they accidentally stumbled into a fantastic run for Eric Rowan. Which was a sentence I never thought I would say <laughs> before that arc had happened. But yeah, Rowan became a top heel on Smackdown for a month. And then, but they didn't want that to happen. Case in point, it was soon traded to Monday Night Raw and wallowed into nothing with a crappy animatronic spider thing. <laughs> what was that storyline? Uh, that went on for months, that build. Clearly no, no idea for it, <laughs> but my God. But with this story, it's a very similarly feeling thing. It really does feel like they've played off... Like the ideas and visuals that have happened in real life in in America, and they've played that into the group, which again the reasoning for that imagery imagery existing in the first place, and you're painting this group as the bad guys isn't particularly the best way, the best kind of narrative to be telling really. But now you're giving them character and an actual thing to direct at, it can less feel like that and less feel like no, we've got a legit reason and point going for this. We're not being painted as random anarchy which is what it's felt like over the past few weeks it's felt like starting off with we're doing this big thing gonna generally interrupt the show to suddenly just break stuff through window go <laughs> just smash uh, again my favorite thing back at the performance center where they threw a brick through the window then just left when it was like why would you smash the window which leads into the thing if you had no intention of going in and it's also the same window that Dawkins smashed like a couple weeks before <laughs> at the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. So if anything, you're just being inconvenient. <laughs> you're not really causing mass amount of, da- of damage. But like, what they were doing kind of seemed to fall further and further down from crazy chaotic stuff. Like it started with Chainsaw. <laughs> chainsaw in the ring on a Smackdown to suddenly being like less and less chaotic. 
now it's predictable beatdowns. And this week, I felt like, was a good point for the Hurt Business to counter them. As in, like, genuinely, now they've got characters on the show to aim for. But it really does feel like they've been making it up as they go along. I didn't know... They were like, let's do this thing. It'll look awesome. It'll be kind of a mystery. It'll be great. Like, who are the members? And, like, the internet loves a who are the members thing. I love reveals. I loved it when the Aces and Eight storyline Tina was going through and masking everybody. I love it when that happens. <laughs> like, the mystery men thing. But it... Mm. it's got no direction. It feels so clearly that it's got no direction that they're making it up as they go along. That is really hurting it. And they really were treading water for so many weeks that they come out, do an attack, and didn't know why. They were just doing a thing, and it felt more like random chaos without a point. And that's... If you're doing a... If you're looking at it in terms of a societal narrative type thing, playing off real life, the fact that you are playing these guys as... Anarchy without any point to it. Not really. Uh, mm, I, brought, I think I brought that point up already. <laughs> Delve into it a little bit. But then I've got a direction. They feel like characters in a world in the show, and that can work with that. That that's totally that totally sidetracks the issue. I think they might have accidentally stumbled into if they weren't careful. But now they can direct it. And for me, it feels just like the Roman Reigns storyline. Didn't really know where it was going. They're making it up week to week, and they're they're stumbling from nothing into something. And that's something, for me, would be the pissed-off NXT folk. Just, like, we, we've had enough. We were promised fame and glory and everything to do with that. And it's just broken promises. And we're go- we're not going to take that. Like, we are not going to just sit and wallow. Like, I, yeah, that's a, that's a mo- that's mo- that's motivation I can get behind. I can understand their motives. I'm in for that, yes. <laughs> so, hopefully... It builds from there, and they've got the Hurt Business to go after. So, uh, yeah. And the Hurt Business look fantastic at the end of the show. All in their suits, and then they take off their jackets <laughs> and walk down to the ring. They look like badasses. Yeah, just massive thumbs up. Yeah, Mickey James is in the interview ring. She loves this business and has given everything to it. And what fuels her tonight is this might very well be her last opportunity at the Women's Championship, which is something repeated again and again and again. Make sure you don't forget it. Uh, Adam Pearce... Uh, backstage talking to his useless security. MVP and the Hurt Business roll up and demand he upgrades his security from boys to men. Yes, everybody at the same time gets the same songs in their head. Help us help you do your job, uh, says MVP. When Pierce sticks out his hand to shake on thanking them for volunteering, they just laugh at him. Like Cedric go, wait, did he say volunteering? <laughs> so, again, I like that power move. Like Adam Pierce is like, yeah, I'll let you help us. And they're like, like, it's not a choice, mate. <laughs> We're going to help you because you're useless. Uh, yeah, I love the attitudes of the Hurt Business. Possibly my favourite... Hmm, I was going to say favourite building thing. I'll say that. Because I love Asuka as champion. I love Drew McIntyre's title reign and his storyline. Randy Orton and Keith Lee kind of be involved in there as well. Uh, but the terms of like favourite like building thing, which I feel like could get bigger and bigger as time goes on, Hurt Business. Fantastic faction. Uh, Raw Women's Championship. Asuka versus Mickey James. I just realised I forgot to say that for this entire thing, the commentary team was, because I said two people weren't there. Uh, it was Byron Saxton as the lone survivor with Michael Cole in lead and on, I guess, colour. <laughs> Colour. Uh, the, the wrestler with the knowledge. Uh, Samojo was not there, so it was Dolph Ziggler. And later in the night, it changed to MVP, uh, who was fantastic. Uh, with the two in the ring... 
Uh, so I realised I'd jumped ahead of the time. And uh, uh, no, uh, Cedric cut a great promo. He really did cut a great promo. I feel like I glanced over it a bit to kind of jump to Apollo Crews and what they then said. But Cedric's promo, getting across his motivations, I thought was really, really good. And with uh, with Apollo and Ricochet's lines afterwards, it was like, oh, okay, back to generic. <laughs> it was like, yeah, just read from the script. doesn't matter that Cedric's promo was great and gave some logical reason. And you're like, you did what? You joined for money? It's like, no, he literally just told you. <laughs> and he's not here. Uh, but the uh, Raw Women's Championship, Asuka versus Mickey James, uh, this was the first example of building to something, a wrestler comes out, and then when you come back from break, it's just a string of other stuff before you then get to returning to the match. This was not the egregious bit. <laughs> this bit I was like, mm, that was a bit of a weird, a bit of an odd show structure. Nah, wait, wait till later, Imp. <laughs> it gets so much worse. Uh, so, yeah. WWE giving time to these two to just kill it was obviously a great decision. Some damn great telly wrestling. Yet another competitor Asuka has smooth as hell chemistry with. Is there anyone she doesn't, <laughs> to be fair? Uh, with the two in the ring, Cole made sure we knew James had returned from a knee injury, which maybe might have played part later in the match if the ending hadn't been the ending. Uh, Top-notch spot. Going into the ad break with Asuka, she misses a hip attack, ends up perched on the ropes when James catches her with a spin kick, sending the Raw Women's Champion falling to the outside. That was uh, an awesome sequence. Uh, back and forth in the ring was so entertaining when we returned. Especially like, the ending sequence. Uh, Asuka kicking Mickey who bounced off the mat each time back to her knees screaming for another. Or at least screaming in survival with one of the two. As soon as the champion bounced off the ropes to mix it up, she was quickly rolled through into a crab. Like so many quick counters. Uh, also, just a quick note, quick note that in this segment was when Mickey James jumped off the top with the double knees as well. Uh, just to make this add to the building uh, building flow of the match. Um, and so many quick counters, especially in the end, uh, with an incredible pace to them. Uh, but the weird ending... Because this ending was building really, really well, and the speed they were wrestling at was fantastic. But uh, and the two were endlessly reversing each other's counters, just constant sequence and sequence. It's something I praised New Japan for, where I just go is like, oh, this, these counters on counters sequences, like, wow, I love them. Asuka eventually trying to lock in the Asuka lock. Uh, James reversing yet again, rolling over for something of her own when the ref rings the bell. Uh, the two competitors look confused. Cole tries to make up for it, or or he's also just as confused, just trying to commentate on what's happening. Like, did did she tap? Uh, Mickey looks up at the ref, fully confused. Uh, her and Asuka were going so quickly that Asuka even tried to like transition into the next bit a tad. So it's just even more confusing. And the referee calls the belt for the belt, and you hear him saying James can't continue. And this is where there were rumours that uh, Mickey James's shoulder had popped out or something like that. Uh, watching it back, it doesn't seem to be much of a sign of that. She's moving perfectly fine. And it was kind of confirmed afterwards that, no, she's fine. I say afterwards, it was some, some point today. It was like, no, she was all right. Uh, but Mickey rolls out the ring and Asuka has a rather pissed off look to her face as well. Like, hmm, they were building so nicely. And uh, the next question is uh, in the chat. Uh, do I think Mickey is injured? So this goes off of just what I was talking about, where one of the early reports today was that Mickey, the reason it happened because Mickey James had injured her shoulder, and then it was being countered by more and more journalists in the wrestling world. It's like, uh, no, apparently she's fine. 
Because that, that was a word coming from Mick Foley and another legend who I can't remember who it was. But just before I came live, I was starting to see the word that what actually happened was Mickey was just selling the Ascalock and the referee bought it so well he thought she'd generally hurt herself. So called for the bell so she couldn't continue. Well, she was just selling really well. <laughs> I love that story. It's, that is fantastic. Hopefully that's still the story as I'm going out. Because again, I, I suddenly enter... A, news comes out so quickly in the wrestling world. I suddenly enter just a bubble. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so I really, really... I really enjoyed this match. Uh, their takeover match was awesome. It bloody was. And this built on that as well. Yes, like Mickey James on such a level. And they were building this as her last match. Uh, last title match, sorry. And it's a shame that it ended this way. At least it's in controversy. So that you can give her another opportunity. You can build sympathy that way. I don't think what happens next it really helped though. Because you didn't get a definitive ending to the last thing. Fans are like, wait a minute. Uh, is this going to build up like, oh, she got screwed out of her final opportunity and you can build to Mickey James getting a genuine shot. But then they move on to this next thing and I feel like they, it kind of the way the match ended adds to the ill will for this next bit when it feels like they're trying to transition Asuka into her next feud to build to for Night of Champions. Because time moves on quickly as Asuka's holding her title up looking pissed. Zelina Vega comes out. Vance on having to deal with Andrade and Gaza before calling Asuka an ingrate and challenging her to a match. In spite of Bianca Belair beating Vega at every turn, Vega's the one who steps up to the champion. And uh, I like the touch of the champion laughing at her and Charlie Caruso afterwards in the interview ring segment. It was just like, well, let's now move on to a more realistic championship challenge. <laughs> just, I like that she kind of instantly got... Barry does like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're going to get your ass beat. Uh, Vega retaliates to Asuka's just laughing at her uh, with a slap and she may regret every part of that in the near future. And hopefully that's what the story they tell. Like, you have Asuka just destroy her on pay-per-view. Because uh, again, like, Vega got beat by Belair so easily. So it makes, in terms of hierarchy, it makes sense Vega just stepping a bit too high up. Again, just like against Belair, like she gets some of her moves in, she's able to get moments in there <laughs> at least like for a second think oh Vega could hit a string of moves here and actually win like close pinfalls or something like that uh, but like using her brain smarts which is what she, I think she did in a performance sense of match against Belair but still yeah it felt a bit ill will because of how the last match ended like so that oh this is not a closed book it's not a closed chapter because of what happened it's essentially the feeling but then you're also moving on and building to the next thing it's like oh Selena Vega she's the one we're going with it's kind of like but in terms of momentum, should she be? <laughs> like, I get that uh, she's become quite an established character and is relatively over, doing quite well. But, uh, yeah. also they're bringing me over Mandy Rose, who I feel like could rise pretty quickly. Uh, this might be a move which sees her rise pretty well. To be fair, she was going quite naturally on SmackDown. But the big barrier she was going to hit, what, like, yes, her art was building nicely. It's a bit odd she's not been featured for three weeks and then it's just moved over even though she won her feud and it was received well. Like, that's, an, that's the odd thing here. It wasn't a women's feud that was received badly. Like, and so they're like, oh, let's just take off TV. Like, no. DeVille vs. Rose was received really well. Like, just the overall, like, both women applauded for their performances and the match itself went down well. So the, to then, in under those circumstances, to disappear, then get traded shows. Um, that said, she was going to hit a wall. Because they're doing the Bailey Sasha Banks story, 
on SmackDown at the moment, and that seems to be the big title match they're going for. It's just, uh, hopefully they don't rush it. And with Sasha Banks returning this week, I'm a little bit worried they're going to rush it. <laughs> the thing that helps is that they have at least got Nikki Cross, like she's the number one contender, it's not Sasha Banks. So we don't have to worry about the title match definitely happening. But they felt like the kind of attack where Sasha should be out for ages. Just thought I'd bring that up. Because <laughs> I don't do a Smackdown review, because life. Uh, and I don't hate myself that much. <laughs> I still do this though, <laughs> just to realise. But with with all of that happening, it feels a bit weird, essentially. Uh, yeah, I just realised I'm talking about Mandy Rose. She's going to hit a ceiling in Sasha Banks and uh, Bailey. Maybe on Raw she can become a challenger for Asuka, and it can work that way. Don't know what they're building Asuka to for WrestleMania. Just throwing it out there. Do you instead of a like current top star? Do you get Mandy Rose over with a Royal Rumble win and have her challenge Asuka? Oh, I've, I don't think I hate that. <laughs> of course, that's the massive caveat that they do put in the effort and build her to the Rumble. Like, with, when Drew McIntyre won, if they hadn't had the build like he'd had, like kind of slowly turning him face and giving him uh, quite a bit of momentum before the Rumble, like from like now, essentially, to the Rumble for Drew McIntyre, they could do that if they put in the effort. And don't change their minds or just pull out. <laughs> just like, actually, no, let's not do this. Uh, anyway, Zelina Vega didn't really feel like it went down that well. And Mickey James has accidentally been set up for quite a hot return match later down the line. So that's what I'd go with. Like, Asuka doesn't want to face Vega. She wants to face James. And then other competitors keep coming, maybe. But no, it's like, no, she wants to face James. And maybe that's the December pay-per-view or whatever's after Survivor Series. Yeah, after this was when we got Charlie in, in the interviewing with Keith Lee. I don't know why I struggled so much with that sentence. And we'll get to that. I've already got to that earlier in the show, so there's no point repeating it. Uh, after that, we went to Bobby Lashley with MVP versus Eric of the Viking Raiders. With Ivar out injured, Eric's out for revenge. Uh, Bobby Lee Lashers gets to look strong for Night of Champions. I like the concept of not constantly pinning your title holders. Like, you know they are champions. Maybe, right, you, right, I'm trying to get, you know you're champions. Maybe it makes sense that they beat people. My God. <laughs> they are champions. <laughs> like, they became, surely that means they're good at the wrestling. So maybe don't beat them every week on TV? <laughs> Just a thought. Uh, Eric gets in his knees, uh, but Lashley soon has him locked up in the it was a Hurt Lock it's called now the Hurt Lock full Nelson submission for the win and again I really like the continuity thing of Bobby Lashley where he's the man who broke Chris Masters Master Lock and now he's the one using his own, that same submission to beat people like 12 no 13 14 years later when was, was 2006 2007 my god <laughs> time flies but yeah Bobby Lashley using that I like that as a little character kind of pullback thing uh, but yeah just building up Bobby Lashley ahead of Night of Champions not really doing much more, uh, really, but it's decent enough. And they were confirming that Bobby Lashley will defend his title at the pay-per-view, just not against who. And if I'm right, it's not this weekend, it's the weekend after. So next week, they're going to have to tell us who. Assumably, it's Apollo Crews. <laughs> that's how the matches work. You just keep doing them over and over and over. Yeah, that's what a long-term storyline is, right? You just do the same match over and over for months. Mm. You don't have to face the same opponents every time. <laughs> you can mix it up, make it a shared world, you know, instead of just passing ships. Uh, Kevin Owens is backstage. Uh, tonight he has a match with Alistair Black. Uh, he takes the mick out of how, for months, Alistair would ask for someone to pick a fight with him. 
only for not many to step up because they just didn't care. Uh, Owens doesn't need to worry about how he's going to beat up Black tonight because he's Kevin Owens. Whatever that means. <laughs> As he walks off, uh, Alistair walks in and does a wee little pose in his new tight gear. And I'm going to add break. Yeah. And that's when the steel cage starts to lower down. And we're told the steel cage match is coming up next. Like, oh, it's lowering down. We're going to add break. You know what this means? It means when we return, we'll, we'll have a, apparently 20 different segments lasting like 20 minutes to half an hour. <laughs> and you don't see a cage match for absolutely ages. My God, this, this sequence this week, I'd say almost brought me to the point of just skipping forward to the cage match happening. But I'm a professional. I only skipped through Raw Underground. Apart <laughs> from that. So yeah, uh, it starts off with Raw Underground, coincidentally. Smackers, Braun's, Smackers's, Braun Strowman turns up. Uh, I mean, this ain't his show, but no one's going to stop him. He uh, charges in there wanting a fight. Uh, and also MVP has turned up on commentary. Quite a quality increase. And I also liked how that tied in to uh, MVP I was going to say, he tied into MVP being there for the Hurt Business, uh, kind of coming out to save them, but he came out from the back, so it didn't matter that he was on commentary. This wasn't a factor, he just left. And uh, after that, we went to Seth Rollins backstage before the match. Uh, Murph in the locker room. Murphy gets welcomed in. Yeah, you can tell he's just, he's just feeling bad about losing last week. Rollins says he totally understands. Like, a tournament is part of the process. Uh, but it's not an issue because like, tonight, tonight he's got Ramus, he's got Dominic Mysterio in a steel cage. Like no one running in, no one ganging up, no ganging up techniques on the Mysterios like Buddy was subjected to last week. Seth says he's got a role for Buddy if he's up for the task before slapping him across the face and grabbing him, pushing up against the lockers and shouting that his role is to stay in the back so he doesn't have to deal with any of his crap making sure Buddy responds before walking out for his match. It's a final little power play there, just to say, to say you've got it. Say you've got it. Like, I got it. I got it. And that's when he angrily walks out. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I like the way it's really building. I, I, start, I ended a bit negatively there, stumbling to find my thoughts a bit, because I've gone off script. It always goes badly when I go off script. <laughs> but it felt like it was like building really nicely, and you know what's going to happen. Like, the next point in this is for Buddy Murphy to go out and it's going to cost him or cause him trouble. Uh, and that's exactly what happened, obviously. <laughs> but before that, our truth cuts a promo on some Kit Kats. I smiled. <laughs> he got me. Our truth does that. Like, at first, I'm like, oh, another segment? Oh, it's such a silly thing. Oh, just an ad for Kit Kats. Ugh. <laughs> and then by the end of it, I'm like, like oh, you got you cracked a smile, truth. <laughs> well, Giddings does it again. Um, after that, Cole welcomes us back for a wee mention of Randy Rose's trade to Raw. And I'm just sat there like, Jesus, how long does it take to set up a cage? <laughs> it's been at least 20 minutes. This is crazy. Uh, yeah, this cage took quite a while. And after what feels like ages... Seth Rollins finally made his way down to the ring. Uh, but before Dominic comes out, we get a Mysterio family promo in Gorilla, which I would have been fine with, except bloody hell, what feels like more time killing? <laughs> Can this match not start? Uh, I would call this my fatigue point. Like, this is a fatigue point, my friends. <laughs> when you reach the point of exasperation of, start the match, <laughs> you've already killed so much time. Uh, like 20 minutes of nothing. <laughs> like, thank God, there was a bloody top-level match after it all. 
for me to get to. But there was so much, like, just a portion of the show was just nothing. <laughs> it's crazy. A whole sixth of the show was just a complete waste of time. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, eventually it gets underway. Like, the cage match itself was fantastic. I just wanted to make note that this was my fatigue point, but it's a unique circumstance where it was just this one 20, 30-minute period where just nothing happened. <laughs> and Steel Cage is lowering, and finally you get to the match start. But by that point, like by the time the Mysterio family cut the promo, like there hadn't been the previous 15, 20 minutes. I'd have been all right with it. But then they start cutting a promo when they've already been sat there going, just get to the match. <laughs> just get to the match. Like, uh, yeah. It was it was interesting, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was my fatigue point. Uh, the cage match itself was fantastic. Dominic was again impressing and jumping yet another bar. Seth Rollins deserves so much applause, but Dom still has to step up and do his bit. Uh, like Murphy defied Rollins' words as well as we all knew he would, and he ran down to slide in the kendo stick to help his leader, which helped swing the match for a tad. That like initially, yeah, well done, Murphy. Uh, but once uh, Dom reversed a running powerbomb and sent Seth into the, the cage wall, suddenly Ray was passing said kendo stick to his son to unleash with, and a, uh, which, which led to Dominic kind of uh, taking over. It then led into a double dick spot. Oh, I gotta love double dick spots. Uh, Dom climbing up, caught by Seth, and kicked onto a top rope drape. <laughs> Just like, ah, oh, my balls. Before Dom pulls his opponent down too. And MVP's like, uh, yeah, that was clever. Uh, Dom tried to capitalise, like his dad holding the cage door open, but Buddy was there to pull Ray into the barricade before then turning round and slamming the door shut without realising Seth was the one there now instead of Dom, having caught up to Dom and trying to jump out himself. Uh, Murphy ran round to climb up and try and stop from Dominic from climbing over on the other side of the cage. He ends up getting shoved down from on high for his troubles crashing into the barricade, uh, but it was enough to get Seth back in. Buddy Murphy doing his job again. Uh, he uh, clambered up and superplexed Dom back into the ring from the cage wall. Like, t again, well, I'll talk about Dominic kind of stepping another bar. Like, last week he was jumping off of the uh, screens. <laughs> I don't know what they call them. The audience. The audience screens. He's jumping off of them. This week it's superplexing from the top of the cage. Like, is he up for anything? Like, the kind of thing where... A young, like a young worker really trying to impress where they kind of need, might need an older person just to go, I know you kind of really want to impress and you really are like impressing, but you know, don't go too far. <laughs> kind of thing, like it'd be up for anything. Um, and yeah, so uh, yeah, superplex from top of the cage, that looks painful. And smoothly into the Falcon's arrow as well. Uh, but at this point, Dominic was done. After that superplex, followed by the Falcon arrow, I think it was a close fall. But like Dominic's not coming back from that. And Ray realises it on the outside. And Seth just stares at him. Like both of them. The veteran wrestlers both knowing that Dominic's done now. But Ray can't interfere in the match. Because uh, he's got that family wrestling pride. Uh, knowing the family couldn't stop him. Curb stomp to Dominic. Followed by a second curb stomp. Seth scores the three before kind of just laughing at Ray. Then he walks out the cage door, and on the outside, the Messiah comes across his disciple. And he grabs him by the head, uh, tells him he did well, and then launches him into the barricade. Then the cage, then swings the cage door into his face, telling him, Sucks, doesn't it? I know, because you did it to me! You're like, oh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that ball. It's like, you swung the cage door into my face, I'll swing it into your face. <laughs> I really like that. Mm. 
quick swig of water, close to the hour mark on a hot, sweaty night. And uh, Ray gets into the ring with Dominic calling for a medic. Seth walks up to Mama Mysterio uh, and the sister who are on the ramp and sarcastically tells her, nice job. Hopefully you did a better job with this one, hinting at the sister. They said her name multiple times, but I've not caught it. And then I'm awful with names. So eventually I remember the name. They're featuring the... Like, I remember Angie Mysterio. <laughs> but that's because of Josh Robinson on Twitter. <laughs> Being just uh, crazy, just with the Angie standing. <laughs> so I remember Angie's name because of that. So thanks for that, Josh. <laughs> I would not have remembered if it wasn't for your account. Um, the Mysterio women go in to check on Dom. Uh, a little note of the sister checking on Buddy for a second before walking up the steps. It's like, uh, Seth, had, Seth, Seth Seth said that. I can't say Seth said that. <laughs> he said it. but And then you saw it kind of in action of, hmm, there might be a little story note to play on here. I like it, yeah. And it was it's one of those where it was made sure to definitely capture it in the centre of the frame for the time. didn't cut away, so it wasn't like a like, oh, oh, little thing of trying to keep subtle. It's like they showed you it to make sure you saw it. But it's not... They didn't. Nobody screamed about it. It kind of just kind of happened, and the commentators were focusing on Dominic, and it was kind of like a thing that wasn't really massively talked about, but it was in the middle of your frame, which normally means it's important. And uh, Raw Underground, uh, again, at this point, I am um, kind of jumping through it, not really, not really focusing on it that much, just jumping through, getting the beats. Turns out I didn't really miss much. <laughs> I get the same feeling from it, jumping through it like this. Uh, Dolph beats up a lad. Vidrick Moss has a go. Strowman beats up Dolph, and that leads to the next segment later on. Uh, then we've got to Drew McIntyre, Keith Lee's initial kind of falling out and brawl. Uh, then leads us to Kevin Owens versus Alistair Black. And uh, Black ambushing KO in the ring in his new tight black wrestling gear. He ventures on KO's knee for a large portion of his offence, tempering that flashy style of his into a more methodical targeting. Alistair really zoning in on the one body part, KO struggling to fight back and having to fight through the pain. Uh, Kevin Owens looking in real trouble until the lights flickered. Black, as my voice goes, <laughs> Black looked about and KO caught him with a stunner for the win. The victor clutching his knee at ringside maybe say something about how much Black controlled the match. But it was the distraction that did it. That's what caused it. And it's like, mm, if it's disgruntled NXT folk, could Kevin Owens suddenly be the leader of this group? But they're giving all the talky points to uh, Dominic Mysteri... <laughs> Mystery... Dominic Mysteri Man. Because <laughs> Dominic Dijakovic. Uh, I just came up with that. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> uh, Dominic Mysteri Man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it. There's nothing you can do. I'm going to be really annoyed tomorrow when I can't remember it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm going to have to tell somebody that. <laughs> anyway... Uh, Riot Squad versus Lana and Natalia is now the final thing I'm going to talk about. Actually, no, it's going to be Raw Underground. It'll be the final thing. Raw Underground, the final thing I'll talk about. God. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, were there any notes on the Kevin Owens as a back match? Uh, it's just initial couch stuff, really. There's not really much more to talk about than what's kind of like beef beat. This is what happened. Uh, Alistair Black was like a, a lot more tempering of his kind of style. Getting his heel counter over. And the only reason he lost was because of the flickering lights. Like He had KOB until that happened. Which was uh, what MVP was trying to say. <laughs> but with Alistair Black, it seemed actually true. Like He had that match in Kevin Owens capitalised off the flashing lights into then hitting the stud out of nowhere. So, yeah. 
But Black controls the match. I feel like without the flickering retribution stuff, that that Kevin Owens would not be so lucky next time. Or is it a little hint that maybe he is involved because it worked his advantage? But uh, the final in-ring match to talk about this week is Riot Squad versus Lana and Natalia. The uh, Raw Women's Tag Team Champions were on commentary for this match, uh, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. And yeah, it, it was fine. Uh, don't particularly have a lot of notes for this. Like, If anything, it seems pretty apparent like how this division could really use the Iconics right now. <laughs> like, you know, the team that split up and this week weren't on the show. So you clearly have just so many ideas for them. Like, oh, it's just crazy the amount of arcs you've got planned for these characters that you're not featuring on the show. Like, oh, it's crazy. Uh, the match doesn't even go five minutes. Uh, Morgan and Riot making quick work of Lana after they get Natalia to the outside and like knock her down, get her out of uh, being in the way. Uh, after the match, Baszler and Jax jump the losers. Uh, Nia clearing the announce table. Shayna sending Lana her way for the Samoan drop to deliver a well, for the Samoan to deliver a drop. <laughs> it's what I am allowed to get my words in the wrong order. Uh, just do the sentence again. Shayna sends Lana to Nia's way for the Samoan to deliver a drop through the table to the former Russian. See, I knew it was <laughs> worded correctly. Uh, poor Lana. Again, her uh, husband shows up on AW and next thing you know she's going through an announce table. But again, yeah. Um, her being with Natalia feels like it's uh, also really helping her in ring as well. I think it's, it's matches aren't long enough to really know, but maybe this short match is perfectly fit to the, the level of wrestling she's kind of at and just kind of blast through this. Maybe I don't know. It wasn't really much to chew on, <laughs> uh, but it seems to be building Morgan and Vaya as the next contender. So at least Shayna Baszler and Nia will be facing an actual team. It's just that after Morgan and like, this is the first tag match that Natalia and Lana. Like properly had, if I'm right, in terms of like we are a team that could go for the titles type of scenario. I want to call them boat. Like they're pushing the Talia as the hashtag boat, but it was, I find that funny enough that I just want to call them both. I want to call them the hashtag boats, <laughs> or just call the team hashtag boat. Now ha- the the hashtag boats. There we go. Because <laughs> it feels so, so like such a stupid hashtag. <laughs> that I'm all for them using it because it fits their character so much. And we'll just also note. I've so far loved the Natalia and Lana characters like since their first week. It's just immediately clicked. Just playing off of Lana's like Instagram world. I'm just healing it up. Like <laughs> I'm totally in for it. Uh, yeah, but that's really what I'll have to say, really. Yeah, Raw Underground. Ah, the fun thing to talk about. By the way, uh, just as I said, I've been jumping through these to grab notes and take as little time as possible to kind of be watching them. Turns out I get a similar amount out of it. So, yes. I'm, really, I'm kind of done with Raw Underground, I'm just covering it because it is on the show, even though I don't feel like I've got any talking points about it. Uh, Braun destroys folk until his two foes from earlier in Ziggler and Moss try to jump him. They both get destroyed by the large lad. Uh, when the other big lad they've been featuring in steps up, can't remember his name, uh, Shane insists to hold off and do this next week. And yeah, finally, he's like, oh, finally, it's getting interesting. Oh, they're going to do Big Lad versus Big Lad. And no, we have to wait for our Big Lad, Big Lad bash. <laughs> I did not know what my final word of that sentence was going to be. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I uh, end on a raw underground note, which is not really a note at all because I've, I've run out of things to say about it. 
It doesn't tick any of my boxes. <laughs> but at least it's seemingly building stuff up and you're starting to see recurring characters showing up and others are getting built up by it. Uh, which, with Retribution, the difference I can say about these two things that showed up on the same role is Underground feels like it's got a direction as at least building folk, whilst Retribution is just like week to week making it up as they go along. And most of their spiel is just generic or anarchy stuff. Doesn't really mean anything. But anyway, the main topic of this show was Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee. Is Keith Lee going to replace Randy Orton at Night of Champions? And my assumption is it depends on an outside circumstance, unless it is out really good storytelling. Because I, I feel like I've missed out on a piece of information. Because so many people, again, were missing from this show. So I just assumed something was up. <laughs> so anyway, uh, thank you for listening to the show. If you've listened all the way through, you crazy people, thank you uh, dearly. On the YouTube side, you can like, like subscribe, uh, comment, whatever, engagement. If it's engagement, then we're all for it. Uh, you can also uh, donate to Laws of Pain Radio or Wrestling Headlines Radio. I've got a, Wrestling Headlines Radio feels like too many syllables. <laughs> WH Radio that feels weird as well. I think it's something. Or just keep it LOP Radio as a callback. <laughs> but uh, you can donate to help us to do this along. At Currently at Red Circle, there's a link to our Red Circle page, uh, which is where this goes out as a podcast. Currently you can donate there by going to our podcast and donating to LOP Radio and... Yeah, that helps us out immensely. Also, uh, just subscribing here on YouTube, notifications so you can see my effort of Photoshop popping up on your feeds <laughs> to then uh, listen to me live if you're crazy enough like that. If, especially if you're English. I, I don't think... I very rarely get English people listening live because, of course, the time I'm going live is 1am at the moment. <laughs> but it's... Uh, are people crazy as me? <laughs> my God. Uh, also, I will be back here on Thursday with the NXT review and I'm set to be joined by uh, One Nation Radio's James Boyd from Social Suplex. I've, already, uh, I've got confused because I already plugged One Nation Radio. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, anyway, I'll be back for the NXT review on Thursday. Remembering it's Thursday, not Wednesday. Uh, also again, it felt like a light because NXT aired on a Tuesday night, so I did the show on a Wednesday. And then I've gotten so used to there being pay-per-views every single week that it's felt like an absolute age since I've done a live show. It hasn't been. It was only Wednesday. <laughs> but it feels like an age. And I'm happy to say that that feeling's a thing. So much better than just being absolutely knackered. And as I'm making the Photoshop for the show, thinking, I just can't be asked. I'm just tired. Uh, I feel, feel so much better to feel refreshed. And like it feels like it's been a while, even when it hasn't. Like That tells you something. Where the fact it's been six days feels like a long time because of how rapid fire it has been. So I'm enjoying this. Also, I will be attempting to live tweet, but also uh, penning columns for the New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax. Uh, I'll be collaborating with Sir Sam from uh, WrestlingHeadlines.net, a fellow columnist. And we'll be collaborating, putting out uh, columns every single week on the G1 Climax, which should come out every Friday. I I think that's what we did the past year or so. And we'll be, I'll be penning a preview this week, hopefully. We'll see how life goes. That's the plan. Real life is kind of, like, in the way. Uh, I'm kind of toying whether to say out loud what it is, but I'll, keep, I'll just word it as family matter, which is constantly kind of interfering, cutting away my time. So there's a very strong chance I won't have time to write it, but if I do, that's my plan this week. <laughs> just putting that out there. Anyway, thank you for listening to the Raw Review. Thank you for watching the Raw Review on YouTube. 
And with that, I bitch, I'm just rambling on now. <laughs> with that, I've definitely forgotten something. <laughs> Check the description for whatever I've forgotten. And with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. Ten.